0: Hi, Mike. Hey, D- Dave? Yeah. Hey, you're here. It's me. It's, we're back. I'm Mike. I'm David Berge. i uh, Mike Yeah, you just Nelson. said your name Mike. You're Mike, you're Mike <laughs> Nelson. You have a last name, sir. <laughs> and uh, this is a podcast. It is called Like Trees Walking. Yeah. And what we do is we get together. We speak into a microphone. Uh, Dave and I, we are in the same room. Sometimes with podcasts... One is not in the same room. Oh, that's, I think, a very common interlocutor. Yeah, that's a very common. But ours, we sit across the table from each other. Is is this a kitchen table kind of uh, uh, vibe, I guess?
1: Yeah, table. In the history of theology, there's been many famous table talks. Uh, Martin Luther was the most famous, but basically, you know, these great professors and, and, and giants of uh, theology and the faith, they sort of hold court at their dinner table, and they call it table talk. And so their students will sit around taking assiduously taking notes of everything that they're spouting, um, this grand learnedness. And
0: so that's kind of, it's our table talk. This time. is our table talk. And at some point, one of us will take off our shoe and bang on the table and say to the other one, I will bury you. Do you know that reference? I don't. That is Khrushchev at the, uh, I believe, at the United Nations, took his shoe off and banged on his table because they're sitting at those long row tables. Yeah. Anyway, uh, what this podcast is is that we talk about the big issues of life. Um, Not that there are a limited set of those. There are many big issues in life. We talk about ethics, morality, uh, questions of life, death uh metaphysics physics yeah sometimes <laughs> yeah uh animals food uh we're like jeopardy we'll talk about any topic <laughs> i but... will take
1: metaphysics for 800 mike <laughs> all right ding double jeopardy well yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's when oh, you get that the double. sound yeah, yeah that's a, it's, a, it's a it kind of makes
0: a lasery noise i feel like. nice uh, but yeah, so we do that from a Christian perspective. However, we hope and wish that people from all different faith perspectives, non-faith perspectives, um, anything, mm-hmm. any, whatever your physics or metaphysics, uh, cosmology, no matter what you believe, listen to us, and uh, maybe we can exchange ideas over the long run. That's what this is about. Yes. And we have been absent for a while. I know this always seems weird to do this in a podcast because you could be listening contiguously and go, I don't care. You know, to me, it's three seconds later, (laughs) but we haven't we haven't potted in a while. So I'm sort of meeting Dave again for the first time. (laughs) And how are you, David?
1: I'm doing quite well. Thank you, Mike. It's warm. Spring is in the air. Again, this is Evergreen Podcast, but uh, the, for those traveling with us through time in some sort of orderly manner, it's spring in Minnesota, almost. Oh, uh, this is a false spring. Sorry. It's a false spring. Yeah, it's, it's late winter here in Minnesota, mid-late winter. And, um, and, and so I'm feeling hopeful. Uh, the days are getting longer. That's helping me. I'm really looking forward to daylight saving time, which will give me even more daylight. We're not going to go. <laughs> I know that's our subject with Mike. Uh,
0: um, I'm giving you the slow burn. I, I should have indicated that earlier. Slow burn.
1: But you talk about people, you know, binging and, and going through the pod. I know we have someone binging through right now. So we're, thanks, for, thanks for this. To you, this what well, was a month. To the rest of our loyal listeners will be but a second in time to you.
0: Right, so if you're binging, it's like you're eating a TV dinner, and you just ate that little peach cobbler, and now you're going back and you're eating the peas, and (laughs) you don't notice that they are in a separate compartment. (laughs) To you, it's just one meal. Did you eat TV dinners growing up, Mike? I did. Um, If I could share a quick memory about that, please do. Now that you now that you brought that up, when I was a kid, there was something called. uh, This was the early days of like just the cheesiest branding for kids just the most cynical there was something called Libby land dinners and they were like one was pirate themed and one was like cowboy themed and it was just a cheap horrible tray of garbage <laughs> but it had like uh characters on it and toys and so the only time i got to eat this trash cuz my fa- my dad was a uh he wasn't a depression era survivor, but he seemed like one. You know, he was like, "We have a boiled turnip. What's wrong with that? We can eat that." <laughs> so nothing in our house was ever. You know, there was no Captain Crunch or anything. Okay. It was just like it was. You know, blood sausage and <laughs> chicken fat. You could just pour that on your gruel. <laughs> so, but we got to have Libby Land dinners when I would go to my beloved grandmother's house, and she would buy us. Quote unquote, anything we wanted from the grocery store, and so some little cowboy character would, you know, she'd bake this thing up and Libby Land dinners. I have such fondness for that. You eat Do this they still dish. make those, or no? I, I looked it up. I, I'm sure that, uh, I'm sure that there are many people out there who wish they still did. There's probably some rich billionaire who's going to just make them on his own and make it his own thing. But how about you? Did you eat TV uh, dinners? Um, uh, only a very little bit. Again, it was at
1: my one one particular grandmother would serve them, and it wasn't a common occurrence. But we, it, you know, I had the ones that you literally stuck in the oven um, as a as a little kid. Not even
0: a microwave uh, dinner necessarily. They yeah. Were, they well, were, that that's defines them. Yeah. It does. I, I guess the microwave did. Did they take over? Yeah, they did. Of course, they did. They yeah, did. The, the microwave.
1: microwave took over, and it killed the the true TV you know tray with the foil yeah. in the oven. It killed it, which that was such a unique it's in to you know millennials you grow up you have no idea what it was like to see one of these things emerge and take the foil off and and the, the the dessert was i mean that was like it it was so good that there were those are maybe some of the best dessert memories from childhood It's the cobbler or the little brownie that was in there that good. So baked and it was good. Just so good was so that the one you had delicious? to kind of peel off the yep, section you had, of the, you had to peel like, the brownie <laughs> i was always stuck in there <laughs> Uh, then my grandma, but then she, she did eventually move on to, uh, uh, to microwave dinners in my, si- but although you could make this in the oven or the microwave, it was kind of a, it, it, it um, Ooh. it, 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 it was like, it bridged the <laughs> gap. It was a handshake across the century. <laughs> it was it was the, <laughs> Or, but you know, the fish that crawled out of the ocean and yes. grew legs or something. So, um, no, it was Stouffer's macaroni and cheese. Um, uh, it's truly delicious and my grandma so good oh, my grandma my sister and I They she babysat me and my sister so many times and we would go over to her house on a Friday night and she would pop in that Stouffer's and uh, you just knew you were in for like th- this was going to be a great let's night. do
0: a special episode where we just eat like a hungry man version of just <laughs> all we do is talk about and enthuse on uh, Stouffer's macaroni and cheese because I would do that no one would listen and it would be the worst thing ever but let's just do it and then Maybe we can write it off as a tax thing or something. I think it's <laughs> okay. I I think, <laughs> anyway, I think so. Anyway, let's get to our big topic. Uh, we usually tackle a big topic in the first half of our podcast. In the second half, we kind of mop up. We talk about um, you know dribs and drabs, little things, and or we have a little fun or what have you. But uh, uh, stick around for that. But first, let's do the big podcast or the big topic. We're going to do the podcast. That we're in the middle of the podcast, Um, and you have brought something to the table, and I was intrigued by this, and I'm uh, interested to hear what you have to say. So uh, give it to me.
1: Yes. So this is real life, real world. um, That uh, a situation that was brought to my attention, um, and so I'll I'll try to. It doesn't really matter. It's it's the details of it matter, but they're interesting. But it's the general broader phenomenon that we're going to talk about. So. Uh, what happen- What had happened was uh, there was a, a situation where someone said they were they were hanging out with some of their friends. Um, yes, this is a generally like a, a relatively young person is hanging out with their friends, their other you know think of a, a, a general millennial or something like that. They're they're hanging out with their friends, and somehow the topic of and this person is a believer, and uh, I think their friends aren't or that like it. Soon became clear they weren't, and somehow the Bible came up. This is and this is not something that and it wasn't prompt. I don't think it was prompted by any particular circumstances. It certainly wasn't by this person who I know, um, saying you know saying something like you know I read this really cool Bible verse today and, right. and it, wasn't, it, it wasn't
0: it wasn't something like it that. Just came up organically or, among the millennials.
1: Yes, the millennials. It came <laughs> up organically among the millennials, and at which point it became time to uh, pile on uh on on the bible as uh, man can you believe that people believe in that that thing's a, it's a what a bunch of bs you know and a what a bunch of old fairy tales and middle sure. middle eastern goat herders and you know i mean i don't know that that's what they said but that that was kind of the gist of it like what a what a bunch of crap um and bs and someone's coup de gras uh, as they were as they were saying what you know it's
0: already a pretty strong argument so i'm looking forward to this <laughs> this said, coup de grace.
1: they said yeah i mean like how could it be true it has all these modern names in it like david and jonathan
0: <laughs> no is this a, is this, this the is joke a, is this a punchline to the thing is it a
1: true story so that was part of so that i think captures the um, tone. The
0: level at which they are <laughs> yeah, objecting.
1: And, yeah, and so the real question uh, that I want, I'm interested to hear what you have to say about it, Mike, is we're not going to, uh, I think we can quickly dispense with the modern names kind of a thing, you know, like that's not, yeah, that's not right. even really hardly worth talking about. Yes. But what do you do when, you know, someone who is your friend um, reveals this side of themselves that is antagonistic you know it's antagonistic towards um religion towards the christian faith and and um in a kind of very ignorant way
0: right yes this i don't know where this came up but i this is funny i was thinking of this uh not too long ago because this is pretty common like and, and it always reminds me of, I'm sorry, I'm from that era. It's a line from uh, Animal House. Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life, son, is what he says to the guy. And sometimes you, when, when you meet someone who is uh, sure of their opinion, very, very sure, they do not doubt themselves at all, but are so wrong, but they're sort of in your life in a way that you can't pull them aside and go, hey, can I just... Can I say you 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 could not be more wrong about this thing? I don't mean to offend you. You know when they're they're in your life in a way where you can't pull them aside. It really is tough. I don't know how to deal with that. Do you do you have a strategy? Can you can you fill us in now? I I don't know what to do.
1: It and this is this is no easy case because it, this brought to mind uh, to me. Um, there's this famous. There's these two back to back verses in in Proverbs. Um, and 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 it's proverbs, it's proverbs 26. So proverbs is a book in the bible it's these all these say- these wisdom sayings trying to uh, they are basically advice given to a young person in order to guide them on the path of wisdom and and wisdom is the really the art of living well, living a godly and prosperous life. life, that's what wisdom means in scripture. And so here's this, there, there's this advice that's being given, it's, it's uh, you know, the tradition associates it with King Solomon, so it's this kingly wisdom of a godly leader being imparted to a young person to, to guide them on the right path. All that by way of preface to say, so it says uh, in, in Proverbs 4, 20, 26, uh, 4 and 5, so 26, 4 says, answer not a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him yourself. So to me, that says don't engage or don't engage the person um, at that level. And then, right. and then verse 5 says, answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. <laughs> so, right. So which to me, the fact that these you know seemingly contradictory verses, are that just shows it's BS, are, are <laughs> back together, back-to-back in the Bible, says that it's, it's this situational discernment that one has to engage in. Um, there's no clear-cut answer on how, like, how do you kind of challenge, like, what's the best way to challenge that?
0: Oh, I yeah, I don't know. I mean, since it is situational, you have to sort of judge the room and just say, you know, will anyone hear this? Will I be thought a fool myself? Um, you kind of have to think well, you have to be very, very wise and discerning about how is this going to land, you know? Paul always talks about that. You're among these people who think differently than you. You got to put on their, you know, put on, you know, think in the way that they think and then try to judge the situation and maybe at the very least put a stone in their shoe to to maybe question them about how they arrived at the situation, like, oh, that's interesting. Tell me more about that. Where, where, did you, where did you learn this? Or, you know, get them talking themselves out of their own uh, errors yeah. is, is one way to do it.
1: And I, I think in the David Jonathan eg- example, uh, and not, not to, you know, mock this person who set up his pick, where do you, th- you could just ask, where do you think those names came from? Right. You know, I, that's a very simple way. I think of responding is this where, where did you where do you think this came from or, uh, in the case of scripture, like well this is this is like the foundational text of our civilization. So you know while one night might not believe its contents or you know have all kinds of good faith questions or even objections to what's in it, I'm not I'm not dismissing the good faith the person with these good faith no, questions of course, of course never, not never and they someone with those kind of good faith things would never do that, but it's. It's almost like do you do
0: you, do you know anything? Like <laughs> let's uh, let's start with your knowledge base. Uh, <laughs> well, let's name some things you do know that are correct, and then maybe we can build from there. Yeah, because the Bible is—I mean, it's a anthology
1: of all kinds of different literature and and things. And so, when people start going, yeah, the Bible is be-, well, which part or parts are bs and you know what are what what does bs mean and I, I i think it's i think it's asking questions having the courage to ask questions because it's i think the hard position one can be in is you know what if if you don't have the answers yourself like oh i know that you know i i <laughs> I can speak to philological issues and, you know, to its, uh, to tradition history or sort of higher criticism. You don't need to, you're, a normal person doesn't need to avail themselves of right. that kind of knowledge, right. basically at all. But it's basic, you know, it's basic trustworthiness is something that one can educate oneself on. Um, and kind of this, uh, uh, uh self-authenticating quality that scripture has, um, in that, in that what it says rings true, uh, um. Many people have that experience, you know, and that's not a, uh, you know, that's not some rationalistic slam dunk argument, but it's just the way it works. But I think, I think starting with, you know, of course, building one's own knowledge base is good. Familiarizing yourself with scripture, reading it, um, and thinking about how this applies to our lives uh, and our beliefs, that's, that's a great place to start is view it as a challenge to make yourself more faithful and informed. That's, yeah, that's that's of it can be a spur to you in that way, and then second, it can be a person who asks who's not afraid to ask a question because questions often do the, they do the work for you,
0: right? Yeah, and and I think being genuinely curious about the other person's point of view is very helpful because that often unravels the other person's point of view. Not that that's your goal to get them unraveled, I'm just saying if they're if they have arrived at something as stupid as that, sorry, sorry, I don't know the person, so I'm sure they're very intelligent in other ways. In we a, all misspeak and yes. say dumb things. We're not calling the person stupid, but that's a you know that's a, a, a dumb point. but I think if you uh, you know get them to rethink you know retrace your steps and and how did you get there, then I think that they will uh, will often go, "Oh, wait, what am I saying?"
1: <laughs> yeah because how else could someone who's an otherwise intelligent person make such a you know that kind of a statement there's something behind that or or there's just a nothing behind it that that they need to that they need to see and 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 truly because you're obviously the statement is so kind of like ah that's wow okay uh what do i do with that uh uh where do i start but generally trying to understand well how did how how did you come to believe this so passionately or be so dismissive or be so antagonistic and caustic about this like there's something else probably going on there sure that yeah. would that could be really helpful to know you know yeah. something's happened in someone's life i mean who knows you know they had a some aunt who you know would burn them with cigarette butts, and like, you know, and then we'd be like, but I go to church, or, you know I mean? That kind of stuff can happen, can oh, be in I, the background.
0: Of course. I think that's often, often the case. Um, in, in the case of specific objections, I thought of this one that made me laugh once. I don't know if I read this or if someone asked me about it, but their objection to, or at least a objection they were presenting to me was, Jesus talked about the mustard seed being the smallest of all seeds, but we now know that the mustard seed is... Not the smallest seed, therefore, <laughs> and, and there my go. first thought was, oh well okay, so if, if if that objection were removed, then would you buy everything? is that that's what's standing in your way? You know often people will just pick an objection that they heard, and that you know like in the Old Testament, and no never mix the linen and the wool and all of that, like oh, so is that what we 're you know, it's like oh okay so we just got rid of that everything else you're completely on board with that's a good way to start because they usually they just like hear something and it sounds good it feeds into what they kind of want to believe and so they take it on strongly without actually having that foundation or having gone to the source or whatever yeah and there's a um and it even from like a a
1: non-christian perspective and this and this person is uh, the example I'm about to give is from a, a Jewish—I don't know if he's a practicing Jew or if he's a, a, a kind of a secular you know person who's grown up in the Jewish milieu and a, a, a secular Jew, but uh, there's this great book called The Beginning of Wisdom by this guy named Leon Cass, and it's a philosophical exploration of the first, I don't know, whatever chapters of Genesis, maybe the whole book of Genesis. And so even someone who doesn't have a, a faith perspective, this book is basically a result of this— undergraduate seminar he did with his students looking at the text and seeing how it's a source of kind of timeless human wisdom. And I, I find that book enriching because it's the type of work where it shows like that, that there's a, a decriable lack of imagination when one comes to a book, such as the Bible, and your only response to it is, that's BS. <laughs> yes. Like, it's, it's, sad. it's <laughs> sad. It's like someone reading Shakespeare and being like, those are funny words.
0: Oh, man. That used to frustrate me, even in high school. I, uh, there were, it's like, what, all the thee and thou and all of that. I'm like, yeah, it's it'll take you three minutes to learn <laughs> those. Could you get past that? It's Shakespeare. There's a reason people read this. But it's the same way. Yeah. Dismiss it on its face and assume that every human being who has ever lived on earth, you know, since it was written is an idiot for reading it. (laughs)
1: That's a, yeah, that (laughs) to, if you are wanting to put yourself in that camp, I mean, that's a, to me, that's a very sad, that's a very sad place to be.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I think the strategies are clear, um, buy them another beer. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <And> <laughs> I'm going to assume there was beer involved in this. Uh, maybe, like, something stronger. My gosh. <laughs> yeah. And uh, ask them to... Yeah, another strategy I've used with people is just when they say generalizations about the Bible or whatever, I'm like, when's the last time you read it? And, Great question. And usually, obviously, they have never read it. They are familiar with it from, you know, bits and pieces or whatever. Like, read, just read a book of the Bible. Does it sound insane? uh you know especially like if, if you don't understand something you know look in the margins look it up or whatever but just read it through does is it coherent in and of itself or does it sound like the ravings of a lunatic to you if you if it does fair enough but uh, you know especially if we're talking about the new testament does jesus sound like a madman does it, or does it sound sort of coherent and self-contained at least, you know, with, of course, many questions, and I'm fine to, you know, engage those with you, but read it through. Don't just pick out pieces. Just read a book. Uh, no one's ever taken me up on that, but, uh, <laughs> but I think it's a good strategy. Just yeah. ask, when's the last time you read it? You know, what, what jumped out at you is the most insane part of it, and see, see, see what that yields.
1: It's like when I'm saying... Dan Brown is a terrible author. The Da Vinci Code's horrible. Well, have you ever read it? Well, I mean, I just heard, and, it, and I did read it, and it is horrible.
0: Yes. It's, it's subliterate. He, uh, have you ever look on, maybe we brought this up before, look online, there's a collection of his worst sentences. They are mind-blowing. He, uh, because he strives for a lot and he comes up way short. Sounds
1: like a fun bonus department, doesn't it?
0: <laughs> it does. He uh, he mixes up his uh, his elements in a way that is quite humorous. But uh, there's there's a collection of them online. All right, I think we talked through it. I, I think we've
1: talked through it. And again, this is not to be this is not to dismiss the person and call the person stupid. No, it's just we, to say that obviously, you know, objectively, if someone stopped and just thought about what had been said it's coming from, it's coming from place that is hard to quite understand, but it, as a, yeah, as a, what do I do? What do I say? Am I just a You know, am I a coward and a wimp if I don't speak up and defend the truth? It's like, well, I mean, you know, you kind of hear the level uh, that you're being engaged at. Just, yeah, ask questions and, and you yourself, um, uh, engage in, in, the reading and application of scripture, um, so that you can. That is, I think, the best way to be an informed person and, and uh, someone who stands up for their own faith is someone who has a, a foundation in it. So,
0: yeah, and I would also just add, just as a bumper note to that, that occasionally sometimes you read the room and go, This ain't happening, people. Just, yeah, yeah so like there's no reason. This is nothing I, I can do. This is just, it's either rowdy or it's, you know, you. People are discerning. They know the mood of the room, and sometimes, you know, discretion is the better part of valor, where you just duck out and go, eh, this ain't gonna happen this time. Maybe there'll be another opportunity. So that's not cowardice, always. No. But uh, sometimes you do that.
1: No, I think it's that. (laughs) You said it perfectly, Mike.
0: All right, we are going to take a short break, where we will hear from a familiar voice. I think you'll recognize this fella, and then we will (laughs) be back with the second half. This is Like Trees walking.
1: Hey, all you like trees walkingers we, we need to come up with a good nickname for people who love the show uh, you tree, you tree heads you you leaves, you branches, uh, hey thank you for listening everyone a uh, couple requests that we have for you one is if you could rate us and review us on iTunes or wherever you find this podcast if you can find it on Stitcher uh, you're better than us, but, uh, yeah, on Apple podcasts, if you could rate us and review us, we're up to 43 ratings. We want to get that to 50. So if you enjoy this show, please, please, please give us a rating and a review. Also, we would love it. If you could share this show with someone, you know, someone who think, uh, this is interesting conversation, funny conversation that you would love them to hear. We would love you to share this podcast with others. And so there's a few ways you can do that. Just of course, t- email them or text them the link to the show. Um, or you can send them a link to our website where all our old episodes are. That's Like Trees Walking Pod. That's dot There will be all the old shows, our bios, all that stuff. You can sign up for our email newsletter, which hopefully we have something very exciting to announce very, very soon. So um, you will be the first to know if you sign up there. So that is all I've got, and now let's get back to the
0: show. And we are back, and we're, we're already chuckling. <laughs> um, Pastor, first, thank you for that message, and uh, thank you for your bringing the pertinent question of what to do when someone asks something dumb about the Bible. <laughs> yeah, that's an important question. It is. And uh, ask and you shall receive, we talked briefly about Dan Brown's sentences, and... Wow, the internet is a wonderful thing, isn't it? It is. And so in the, in that short break, we were able to find some of the classics. Um, there's a, uh, an article from the Telegraph UK called Dan Brown's 20 Worst Sentences. And Don't worry. We will not regale you with all 20 of them. No, no, we won't. We will pick and choose. Uh, because, uh, you know, is he the number, he's in the top 10 most successful authors of the last decade. Oh, I, mean, I a mean, decade plus. Because I feel like The Da Vinci Code came out. Yeah, that was a while that ago. That was a, definitely a while ago. Yeah, that was maybe 15 years ago. Because yeah. the movie was 12 years ago. Remember that haircut, Tom <laughs> The infamous—that's never a thing you want to have happen with your film—is you know you—it's a multi-multi-million-dollar film, a huge director, and I believe it was Ron Howard. It was Ron Howard. Uh, You know, huge studio movie of a huge book, and then all anyone could talk about is why does he have a bowl cut? (laughs) I wonder. That seems so avoidable. Like Like someone would look at him and be like, "That
1: just doesn't." it No, even if that was in the
0: book, you don't have to please people by you know giving someone a. A Mo Howard haircut, do you? I mean, it was kind of like I I read the, uh, and we'll get to the sentences in a moment. I read uh, a story about the making of Waterworld way back in the day, which is now considered a a classic by some. Not by me, but... uh, (laughs) I did see it in the movie theater. Did you really? Oh, yeah. I mean, I was a kid, though, so it was like... Were you
1: enthralled? Uh, I, no, I th- as a kid, it was uh, kind of weird for me, actually. And I never got the beginning when he pees and it turns to... <laughs> and it's like, oh, like salt water. Oh, you, like you couldn't have just like poured some ocean water in? Even as a kid, I was like, that. why wouldn't he just use the ocean water? Why do you have well, to pee? Yeah.
0: That was my point is that apparently at the first screening of it, where executives had staked their whole life on it and apparently went hugely over budget. They kept sinking the... The island that they were on, you know, they filmed in Hawaii or something, and the hurricanes were sinking it. And so millions of dollars over budget, and they screen it. And Kevin Costner's a major star, and the first thing he does is drink his own pee. (laughs) The executive, like, (laughs) apparently stormed out, and was like, we're ruined. So, yeah, that's the thing you want to avoid. But anyway, uh, Dan Brown. Sentence Smith. And I have read. I have read The Da Vinci Code. I did not read it. I worked with a guy who was a huge fan of Dan Brown's, and so I couldn't really speak out against. I mean, still work with this person? N- no, actually, <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I don't. Um, but uh, I, he he just enthused on it. Was always carrying a Dan Brown around with him, um, and and loved it. Wow. So, but I never got into it. But uh, give us a sentence there, Pastor.
1: Okay, I found this one, and this is again from the twenty. 20- 20 worst sentences. So I, uh, uh, I I found this one, and this is uh, in the article if you're following along at home. It's, uh, it is a sentence. Uh, oh, God. Sentence. Oh, shoot. I lost it now, Mike.
0: Do you want me to do mine? Could you
1: do yours? Because I just had it, and then I scrolled, and I lost it.
0: You you millennials, you don't know how to use your phones like we old people do. Yeah, yeah. You get, you get us. <laughs> um, okay. This is from a um, book called Deception Point, which I was not aware of, chapter 8. Overhanging her precarious body was a jaundiced face whose skin resembled a sheet of parchment paper punctured by two emotionless eyes. <laughs> the, the commentator here says it's not clear what Brown thinks precarious means here, <laughs> which I would agree. Her but also parchment mind. paper punctured by two emotionless eyes. Oh. Ooh.
1: And this is number 16, and this is from The Da Vinci Code, the fourth chapter of The Da Vinci Code. A voice spoke chillingly close. "Do not move." On his hands and knees, the curator froze, turning his head slowly. Only fifteen feet away, outside the sealed gate, the mountainous silhouette of his attacker of his attacker stared through the iron bars. He was broad and tall, with ghost pale skin and thinning white hair. His irises were pink, with dark red pupils. <laughs> And so this says, a silhouette with white hair and pink irises stood chillingly close but 15 feet away. (laughs) (laughs) And like behind like a bar. Oh, Oh, this
0: is from the Da Vinci Code as well. He could taste the familiar tang of museum air an arid deionized essence that carried a faint hit of hint of carbon the product of industrial coal filtered dehumidifiers that ran around the clock to counteract the corrosive carbon dioxide exhaled by visitors the person says ah the familiar tang of deionized essence <laughs> oh. oh this one is uh,
1: this one is from the da vinci code chapter 4 as well apparently a very rich Source of material here. And this if you're following along at home, this is this is number fifteen on the list. As a boy, Langdon had fallen down an abandoned well shaft and almost died treading water in the narrow space for hours before being rescued. Since then he'd suffered a haunting phobia of enclosed of enclosed spaces. Elevators, subways, squash courts.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Damn it, I'm always getting I'm getting hemmed in by squash courts. <laughs>
0: Uh, this is chapter four of The Da Vinci Code, oh, man. and I, I may get the name wrong, uh, Da Vinci Code heads, don't get mad at me. Captain Bezu Fache <laughs> carried himself like an angry ox, with his wide shoulders thrown back and his chin tucked hard into his chest. His dark hair was slicked back with oil, <laughs> accentuating an arrow-like widow's peak that divided his jutting brow and preceded him like the prow of a battleship. This person says, "Do angry oxen throw their shoulders back and tuck their chins into their chest?"
1: That's a weird, uh, like bizarre description of someone. Um, all right, well, we'll get near the, uh, the 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 top one. We have to share the uh, we have to share number one before we go. But I'll I'll take what is count as four, three, and two from the Da Vinci Code. Okay, yep. This is the opening sentence of the Da Vinci Code. And it says, renowned curator Jacques Sonnier staggered through the vaulted archway of the museum's Grand Gallery. And then there's number three is from Angels and Demons. Physicist Leonardo Vetra smelled burning flesh, and he knew it was his own. <laughs> <laughs> and then deception point. Death in this forsaken place could come in countless forms. Geologist Charles Brophy had endured the savage splendor of this terrain for years, and yet nothing could prepare him for a fate as barbarous and unnatural as the one about to befall him. And then the comment is, Professor Plum, renowned author Dan Brown, staggered through this his formulaic opening <laughs> sentence.
0: And then number one, this is very funny. Um, it's the title itself, The Da Vinci Code. It says Leonardo's surname was not Da Vinci. He was from Vinci or of Vinci, as many critics have pointed out. Calling it the Da Vinci Code is like saying Mr. of Arabia or asking, what would of Nazareth do? (laughs) Which brings
1: it all back full circle to the topic of this podcast. Exactly.
0: Oh, that was that was a lot of fun. It's good to get back together. And it's good to laugh, Mike. (laughs) It is good to laugh. It's good to laugh. And we will do more of that on the next episode of Like Trees Walking. Any parting thoughts? Any clumsy sentences you'd like to dispense to the crowd, or uh, or just wisdom, or just hey, silence is wisdom too. Sometimes, yes,
1: it's best to yes refrain yes <laughs> from opening your mouth and appearing to be a fool, uh, lest you. Oh, Open your mouth and remove all doubt? I butchered that quote.
0: Cool. What is it? Abe Lincoln, everyone. Thank you, Abe. <laughs> we'll be back. Or was it Winston Churchill? Either one. We'll be back. Never
1: give up. Never, 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 never.
0: surrender. Now. We'll be back soon with a new Like Trees Walking.